Okay, go ahead and take your Bibles, turn to Psalms 127. I'm just going to read through the chapter. It's a short chapter. Psalms 127. It says, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are the children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. And what I want to preach about tonight, I want to preach about working smarter and not harder. You've probably heard people tell you that before. You need to learn to work smarter and not harder. And there are, there are people out there who are very hard workers, but they still don't accomplish that much because they're not smart workers. And uh, my boys, they could tell you about somebody that we've all worked with in the past who is one of the hardest workers you will ever see, but yet he was one of the least productive workers in his area. And it's because the guy worked like a maniac, but he didn't work smart. And so he just was never real effective. And then there's been people too uh, when I was in the distribution center, it was a production type job. And there were, they always taught you to work smarter, not harder. And there were people that you could watch work and they did not look like they were working hard, but yet they would pull much higher than people you'd see out there just running all over the place because they learned to work smart. And I forgot which rich person it was that said that they always would hire lazy people because lazy people, they're always good at finding easier ways to do things. Does anybody remember who the rich person was that said that? Bill Gates? Yeah, yeah, I think it was Bill Gates. Why did I just say something good about Bill Gates? Strike that from the record, all right? No, can't stand that guy. But, you know, there's, there's some truth to that. Okay, obviously, we don't want to be lazy, but, you know, just working hard is not going to get the job done. We want to work smarter, and I do. I believe in hard work. I believe in not being lazy, but as Christians... We just need to understand there are some things that we can't do on our own. There are some things we are not meant to do on our own. There are some things that God wants us, depending on Him, to do those things. And it is arrogant and it is foolish to pretend we can do these things on our own. And, it, and you know, when it comes to the business of raising a family and building a house, not a physical building, but raising a family, building a house or a home, you know, it would do everyone well to just get a hold of the fact that none of us really know what we're doing. Uh, can I just go ahead and admit that to you right now? Uh, listen, I've got eight kids and, you know, so far they're turning out pretty good. And uh, so it'd be real easy for me that if somebody asked, what's the secret to child rearing? Well, I'll tell you, you know, I get real pompous and I could give some uh, good sounding advice and all that kind of stuff, throwing a few scripture verses in there, talk about my prayer life or something like that. But at the end of the day, if I was just going to get really, really, really honest, and I don't mind, I don't think it's wrong when people try to ask questions and tell you what they did. But at the end of the day, I don't really know. Okay, I, I really don't know. Um, you know, when it comes, I've observed families my whole life. There's things that I've seen that I feel like are effective, things that are not effective. But it, it, there's always exceptions. There are families, you look at the parents, it's like, how did they turn out those kids? They're way too good. And then there's other parents that was like, they turned out real sorry kids. And like, how did that happen? You know, at the end of the day, you know, when it, when it comes down to, we just, our families need God. 
And isn't that what it says in this passage? Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city. You know, the watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early and to sit up late, isn't that? I mean, that's what a hard worker does. They get up early. They stay up late. They put in the labor. But it's vain for you to do those things. It's vain for you to be overly worried, overly obsessed about these things. There are, I think one of the reasons a lot of parents fail is because they're fam- it's, there's just so much stress they put on their family making sure they do everything right. It's just like their kid, you know, they're, they're, they're like at Walmart and they're afraid because their, their little girl is attracted to the Cinderella section or something like that and wants the Cinderella dress that she's going to get corrupted with witchcraft or something like that. And it's just like, you know, it's like, I, whatever I got to do to just shield them, this is going to ruin their life. And it's like, I don't know, I think they might survive. You know, I, I don't, you know, I'm not, t- I'm not trying to promote Cinderella or anything like that, but sometimes we just obsess and we worry about some really petty things that in the grand scheme of things probably aren't going to affect your kids that much. But we will. We'll just, we'll worry so much about these things. And I just, I don't think it's healthy. In the things of life, you know, that are most important, it's not our, our work that matters. It's the Lord work, Lord's work that matters. You know, for example, when it comes to salvation, okay, now when it comes to salvation, Works matter, but it's only God's works, right? That we, we all understand that. God specifically told us to let Him do the work, to trust in His work. But at the same time, and I don't think I need to give any passages to prove this point. Do I need to prove any of that? I think I can skip the Scripture on that part. But at the same time, um, we'll go ahead and turn over to Hebrews 4. Let me go ahead and show this one passage, okay? It says, let us therefore fear, lest the promise being left of us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which have believed do enter into his rest, as he has said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. So if we're going to get saved, we must go as far as repenting of our dead works and putting our faith in Christ. And, and that's why in Ephesians 6 1 it says, Therefore, leading the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God. The simple fact is, our works for salvation will only pollute the offering of God and will cause us to not obtain salvation. But when it comes to the family, there are many works that we have been commanded to do. God didn't tell us when it comes to the family, just trust me. No, God gave instructions to the mother. God gave instructions to the father. There are works that we are supposed to do, but those works too also need to be mixed with faith. You understand? We've got to have faith as well, we've got to be trusting in God. So the mindset we need to have is that we make sure when we are doing our works as a parent, that we are working with God. We all get that? That's what we've got to do. It's not enough that you're just working hard as a parent. You need to be working with God. If we're working alongside God, I think we're going to do okay. I think because at the end of the day, it's God's works that make the real difference. 
And this is where, I said, um, you know, it isn't great, or it isn't, you know, or when, it, when we succeed, it isn't that our works are great. Okay, it's God that actually does the work. It's the Lord that builds the house. Our labor is in vain if it is without God. So it's just important we're working with God. The question is, are we cooperating with God or are we working against Him? And I think there's a lot of people that they are. They're working hard at their family, but they're actually working against God. You know, God wants your kids to turn out good. God wants them to succeed, but sometimes as a family, we make it difficult by making bad decisions and you're working hard, but that's not enough. You've got to be working with God. And so I strongly believe that just about anybody can have a successful family no matter how little knowledge you have, no matter how little experience you have, no matter how backwards of a family you come from, as long as you aren't rebelling against God, I think you plus God is always going to turn out a great product. I think the problem is too many are working against Him. And so the thing is, you know, somebody like myself who, you know, I come from a long line of Baptists, I come from a functional family, I do believe God has some big expectations from me. I, I, I believe if I were to bring alcohol in my home, for example, I believe it would have a devastating impact on my family. It would probably just absolutely destroy it because I know better. And the Bible says in Luke twelve forty eight, but he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. For unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall be much required. And to, and to whom men have committed much, of him will they ask the more. And I bring that up because, again, I believe it has been helpful to my family that we have a no alcohol policy. I think that's been good for our family. I think it's good for a family to have standards. And I believe it's good for them to, you know, uh, to shield their kids from certain things. I, I believe that helps. I believe it is, I believe it will help your children if you homeschool them and you don't stick, stick them in the public school system. I believe that will be good for your kids. I believe that will help you turn out good kids. However, I believe there are people out there who haven't been taught right, who don't know any better, who haven't had these things promoted in their life who are doing their best to serve God and cooperate with God, and they're turning out good kids even though their kids went to the public school. They're turning out good kids even though they had alcohol in their houses for a while. And maybe they weren't going to the best kind of church. But these people, anything God gave them, they used it. Anything that God gave them, they worked with God. And in spite of their horrible situation, they turned out a good family. They turned out okay. But a lot of times we think the secret to success is just no alcohol, no TV, no this, no that. But it's like, at the end of the day, the question is, are you working with God? Are you in cooperation with God? And so I do. I think you're always going to find families out there who maybe had some of those things, but things still turned out good. It's because they were working with God and God can get it. These people who didn't let their kids ever watch anything, do anything, go anywhere... They were rising up early and sitting up late eating the bread of sorrow. God wasn't working with them because they weren't trusting in God. They were trusting in their hard work. They were trusting in all their standards and things. And it didn't work. At the end of the day, it's the Lord that builds the house. He gets a credit. And so again, I'm not discouraging anybody from having standards and doing all the things you've been taught to do that are right. 
I'm just saying you need to just make sure more than anything that God's in your house. You need to make sure that you're working with the Lord in cooperation with Him. That you understand that, men, you're the head of the home, but God is the head of you. And you need to make sure you're following His lead and whatever He shows you, you do it. You've got, you've got to do that. Uh, and if you do, I believe God's going to do great things. So I don't believe God wants us obsessing and despairing over our inabilities, our past failures. Maybe you didn't grow up in a good home. Maybe you didn't come from a functional family. Well, guess what? If that's the case, God's probably not expecting as much from you as He is from other people. So here's what you just need to do. Take what you know, take what God has given you, and just work with God on it and watch God turn out something good anyway. I'm telling you, I mean, there are single moms that have turned out better kids than people who've stayed married to each other. What's the difference? That single mom got dependent on God and was successful. She taught her kids to look to God and to turn to God. And they were successful. There's kids that have grown up in homes with unsaved parents and they turned out great and did great things for God. You know why? Because at some point they started working with God and it didn't matter that they were missing a bunch of things. It didn't matter that they didn't have a lot of things going for them that we would all agree are very helpful in turning out a good family. And that's why we can find so many people who had everything. They had everything we believe that you ought to have. They did it all. But yet, things didn't turn out good. Why? They were doing all that work. We were impressed as we watched them rise up early. We were impressed as we watched them sitting up late. But they were eating the bread of sorrow. God wasn't giving them sleep. God wasn't working with them. God wasn't giving them rest. And as a result of that, God didn't do the building. They built something and it didn't last. And I want to build something that's going to last. So at the end of the day, we've got to have, we've got to have God working with us. Because here's the thing too, you know, when, when we fail and come short, and we will fail and come short, I don't care how many rules you have. I, listen, you can have, you can have me write down all, everything I did, all our rules we have in our family, and you can take them home and implement them in your family. And you know what? You're going to mess up on those. You're not, you're, you're, we all mess, I mess up on those. Again, you know, my kids, you know, they, they probably get aggravated when they hear me talking about, you know, what we do with our family. You know, we just did a, a thing on Pastor Boyle's channel where they ask questions about families and stuff. And I don't even remember what all we said in there. But, you know, my kids, if they watch it, they're probably like, Psh. And it's like, you know, we're just, we're just shooting from the hip. You know, we're just telling us what we try to do and all that stuff. Try to sound smart. At the end of the day, I don't really know. Yeah, it, it, you know, <laughs> at the end of the day, it's just God. Okay, if it works, it was God. If it doesn't work, it was my wife. Okay, you know how these things go. But, you know, because God is able to give grace when we come short. God is able to give victory through His power. God wants us to succeed. God is on our side. Again, assuming we're on His side, trying to do right. God wants your kids to turn out good. He wants you to have a good marriage. And if God is doing a work, we can be confident great things will happen as long as we are working with Him. Okay? So, I've been saying all this about the family, but where I really want to apply this message tonight, because it's the exact same concept, it's the exact same principle when it comes to a church. We need to understand this as a church. Because if it's Jesus Christ who builds the church, and yes, it's Jesus Christ who builds the church, Okay? 
But understand when it comes to building a church, even though Jesus said, I will build my church, did you know that God wants us as Christians doing work? God wants us as Christians doing work. As Christians, as, as children of God, as disciples of Christ, we have been called to labor. But do we want to just work hard or do we want to just work smart? Because we can work hard. I think we do work hard, but I don't know about you. I prefer to work smart. I prefer, meaning I prefer to just make sure any work we're doing, we're working with the Lord. That we've got, that we're on, we're in cooperation with God. And our God has a pattern. Here's, and this is what I want you to get a hold of, okay? I don't want any, listen, I don't want anybody thinking I'm not preaching to you tonight. Okay? They go, oh, you know, I, I'm not that significant. No, I'm preaching to you tonight. Little kids, I'm talking to you tonight. Alright, Amos, you better be paying attention, buddy. Alright, cause I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm preaching to you tonight. Say, Amos, he's only two, three years old. Okay, and now, you know, I'm telling you, 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 this, well, this is just how God works, okay? Even Hannah. Okay, even Hannah. Are you paying attention, Hannah? I'm gonna, I'm gonna question you about the sermon after, when we go home tonight. No, <laughs> Alright, but no, I, I'm serious. You think, no, this isn't for me. Listen, this is why I say all this. Our God has a pattern of taking things that are the last thing a wise man would think of using and God goes on and does great things with those things. That's what We talked about it this morning. Or maybe it was Wednesday I mentioned how God took an old man with a barren wife and chose him to raise up a multitude of people with. That's what God does. God chooses the least likely things. And so I am, I'm calling on every member of Liberty Baptist Church tonight to consider your ways to check and see if you are limiting God by excusing your inabilities, excusing your failures, your shortcomings as an excuse to not do something great for God. Because what, what good biblical reason do you have for why great things can't be done at Liberty Baptist Church? And nobody's saying this, okay? But listen, we can get a mentality and attitude where we're not expecting God to do great things. We should expect God to do great things. We should always have that expectation. We Every time you come to church, you ought to have the attitude and the mentality. I hope the Lord does something great today. I expect to see God do something great today. That is That should be our mentality but, you know, sometimes, like, while we don't say, I don't think God can do anything, or I don't think God's going to do anything, we can act like that. And that's not right. Listen, our church is small. Our church is poor. We don't have a lot of money. We're in a small town. None of us in here are geniuses. None of us are, like, ultra-talented. But is that a problem for God? Think, is that a problem for God? Because what kind of thing does God typically use? And there's a lot of Scripture we go to on this. We're going to hit, we're going to hit several of these passages. Turn to 1 Corinthians one twenty one. This is a... A popular passage, but we either believe this or we don't believe this. Okay, if God can take literally just our faith, just our faith, and save us, then why couldn't God take our faith in Him and some of our work and do some great things too in His church? Because again, He's called us to work in the church. He didn't call us to work for our salvation, but He's called us to work after salvation. He's ordained that we do good works. God ordained that for us. But 1 Corinthians one twenty one says, For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. 
And, and that's how our world is. Our world thinks if you're intelligent, if you're smart, if you're scientific, if you're like Neil deGrasse Tyson or somebody like that, then you deny God. That's, that's how they are. The world's wisdom says that there is no God. But you know what? They're wrong. And what does it say? It pleased God by outdoing their wisdom to save them. No, that's not what it says. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. God did not set out to save the world by showing how much smarter Christians are than them. God said, you know what? This is what I'm going to use to get people saved. You know what I'm going to use to get people saved? Preaching. That's what I'm going to use. I'm going to have people preach. I'm going to have people go out and they're going to talk about the good news of the gospel. They're going to talk about what I did. And if people will believe it, they will be saved. That's what God chose. God didn't, and let me tell you something, God's not going to use it if we just go and write some super, you know, book full of big flowery words, just using all this, you know, great speech and swelling words of vanity to just explain the complexities of salvation and all that stuff. God's not going to use that to get people saved. You know what he's going to use? He's going to use soul winners. He's going to use young ladies like went out today and got somebody saved. They just go and open a Bible and stutter and say, and, and say words wrong and aren't the, aren't the most eloquent. And he's going to use them to get people saved. And they got a real salvation too. The person cried. We call those camp meeting salvations. Okay? And... And I have to clarify this now for the internet, but in our church we have camp meeting salvations. That's when the person cries, because the camp meeting people, it's like you've got to have an emotional experience. So we're joking when we say all these things. So when they cry, it's a camp meeting salvation. When they get saved and then they visit church, it's a Calvinist salvation, because Calvinists act like you'll at least go to church if you really get saved. So those are Calvinist salvations. And then we've got some other ones I won't name, but uh, <laughs> where we like, to, we like to make fun of some people. But... Um, that maybe don't necessarily deserve it, but it's fun to do. But, but you know, either way, so I, I, I had to clarify that. But God uses foolish things like that, and it gets people saved. Okay, now, what would be more impressive? You know what would be more impressive? Signs. You know, the rich man, what did he, remember we talked about him this morning? What did he tell Abraham? Send Lazarus. They will believe if someone rises from the dead. And Abraham said, no, they won't. Listen, if they won't believe the Scriptures, they're not going to believe even if somebody rises from the dead. You know what? People don't get saved through signs and miracles like that. Look at all the signs and miracles that the Jews got. And how much did that accomplish for them? They died in the wilderness. They saw the ten plagues. They saw the parting of the Red Sea. They were fed with manna and they died in the wilderness. And they did not enter into the promised land. Think about, think about that one for a while. Think about the generation that saw Jesus. That saw the greater than Solomon that witnessed the miracles, that He even rose from the dead in their time. He came back from the dead, the only sign that God was going to give them, and they still didn't get saved. Think, of, think about that. For the Jews require a sign. And the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified under the Jews' a stumbling block and under the Greeks' foolishness. People are constantly saying the Jews require a sign, so God's going to do a sign to get them all saved. No. That's not what it says. Yeah, the Bible says they require a sign, but does it say God's going to give it to them? He said, no, here's what we do. Here's what Paul said. But you know what? While the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom, that's what they're looking for. Paul didn't have the seeker-sensitive method. Paul didn't say, what are they looking for? Let's give it to them. Paul did some miracles. All right, you know, I'm going to do a miracle show to get the Jews. Oh, you know what? Paul was a smart guy. Paul was educated. Paul could have used the great swelling words of vanity to reach the Greeks, but he didn't do that. You know what he said? But we preach. 
which was, he said, foolishness. We preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block, unto the Greeks foolishness, but unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, are called. God doesn't call the people that we think He will call. We think God's going to call the people who you know, have no criminal record. You know what? God sometimes uses people with criminal records. Listen, young kids, if you don't have a criminal record, please don't go get one. Okay, to whom much is given, much is required. Okay, you'll probably really get nailed by God if you go out and get a criminal record. But let me tell you, if somebody's here and they have a criminal record, don't limit God with your criminal record. Just start working with God. He can still, he, he can still use you. He can still, he can still accomplish. Don't, don't use those past failures as an excuse to not do something for God. Why can't, if God can raise up a nation through an old man with a barren wife, why can't God use somebody with a criminal record? Why can't God use somebody who's maybe, you know, who's, who's had a rough past, who's made some big mistakes? We use these things as an excuse too many times. We're always like, no, I'm not capable. I didn't have this training. I didn't have this education. Listen, it's not about you. It's not about your abilities. It's about God's abilities. God uses foolish things. And if God puts a burden in your heart for something, you probably should just surrender to whatever that is and just do it. Because, and, and I don't care, you know, how many issues you have. God typically uses people with issues. Why? So he will get the glory. That's what we're going to see here. And so it says, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty and the base things of the world and the things which are despised. Hath God chosen, yea, and the things which are not to bring to naught the things that are that no flesh should glory in His presence. Listen, if we have a young man in this church that just goes and he goes to the best schools and he gets, you know, he's the valedictorian and he gets all these accolades and things and everybody's praising him and think, man, this guy's going to tear it up when he goes in it. There's a good chance he's going to be the one that's going to fall in the ministry. You know, it's a lot of times it is. It's the hot shots. It's the big shots. It's the one that everybody thinks is great. It's the guy who, you know, he gets a full-time job right out of Bible college and all that stuff. They're the first ones to flop out and give up and fall into some kind of sin. But then a lot of times you have guys and folks, I, I still, I still don't get this except for the fact it's just God that I've seen this my whole life. Pastors who I feel like can't preach their way out of a wet paper bag, but yet they pastor great churches. I don't get it. I know other pastors that pe preach great and it's like, they don't have hardly anybody in their church. And it's like, what is the, what is the secret? And we've got guy pastors running all over the place, going to all these conferences, reading everybody's books, trying to figure out what's the secret to have a successful church. I think the secret to having a successful church is just God's working. I think it's just a, it's a people in cooperation with God. I think that's what it comes down to. I think I think literally any people, any church that is cooperating and working with God is going to succeed. And at the end of the day, nobody's going to really know how they got it done. Nobody's, and if we do know how it got done, it probably isn't God. Listen, if one of you wins the lottery tomorrow and then all of a sudden you tithe and we're able to do way more for missions and we're building more buildings, it wasn't God. It was that you won the lottery and tithed. God's not going to get the glory for that. 
You know, I've heard about some big churches. I've heard about the Robertson's church, the Duck Dynasty guys, and how big of a massive church that is. You know why? Because the Robertson's tithe. Guess who's getting the glory for that large church down there and all it's doing? The Robertsons. Because they're rich and they're famous. God's not, God's not in that. But you know, so the thing, the, the reality is, as nice as that sounds, you know, somebody just donating a ton of money or something like that, the money's gonna get the glory. People are gonna get the idea, well, the secret to, you know, a successful church is you gotta just have a millionaire in the church. Listen, God doesn't want to use that. God wants to, God wants to use not even just regular people, base. Okay? Not like based, like we use it today, okay? Alright, base is actually not good. Okay? It's low. Okay? It, 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 it's, it's, a, it's a lowly. But God uses those things so no flesh should glory in His presence. But of Him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, He that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Let me tell you something. You know what our testimony should be as a church? And, if, and again, the, the more God accomplishes here, the better things go in the future, the more we grow... You know what the, and let's not, we don't, we shouldn't just say this to say it because we're supposed to say it, but we ought to mean it. But when anybody comes to Liberty Baptist Church and they see what's going on here and they're like, how y'all doing it? The answer should just be, we have no idea. It's God. We have no idea because in reality, if we know what's doing it, if it is, if it's that we got, you know, we got Mr. Moneybags, we got Mr. Hotshot talented in the church, you know, we've got the greatest program, you know, we're the, we've got the smartest pastor, whatever, you know, just understand God doesn't get the glory in that kind of thing. God wants to be glorified. You understand that? God wants to be glorified. When God does a work, it is so he will be glorified. And if we are, if we are the ultra hotshot, elite, smartest, brightest, richest, whatever, God's not going to get the glory when He does a work here. And we, we need to understand the only way God is going to be glorified is if He is doing a work here. And it will be obvious that it is Him. But God does not... Listen, some people get, just get this attitude of God doing a work is just me doing nothing. And it's not. It's not you doing nothing. Okay? But it's you working in cooperation with God. And so it's not... Again, it's not about... Working harder, it's about working smarter. That's what we've got to do. Every member of a church should seek to know what God's will is for them and to do it as a member of the church. 1 Corinthians 12.14 says, For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, Because I am not of the hand, I am not of the body. If therefore not, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, Because I am not the eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing... Where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased Him. You all see that? God sets the members in the body that He wants there. And let me tell you, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. And sometimes, as a, as a church too, you know, we would, there maybe there's certain people we would prefer to have them in our body. But, and maybe there's some people we would prefer not be in the body. Well, guess what? We're not the head of the church. We don't put the members in the body as pleases us. God sets the members in the body as it pleaseth Him. And so understand, it's just, it's the responsibility of every individual part 
to do what God wants them to do. That is your responsibility, and we do. When we do the work God designed us for, the body will function the best. And that's, we, things, you know, God makes bodies the way He wants. That's why, too, alright, not to get graphic or anything, but these trannies that go out there modifying their bodies, that's why they're so suicidal. It's not because of all the bigots out there, like us. It's because they're, they're, they're messing with the body in turn, in, in the way that pleases them rather than the way their maker made them. And it's not intended to work that way. Okay? If I wanted to today, I could probably go get surgery and get my hand switched. Okay, but listen, if my right hand goes on my left hand and vice versa, I'm going to have a lot of problems. Because that's not the way God made this body. That's not the way He made, he made this body. And, when, as a, and as a church, a lot of times, we are. We're, it's like we're always trying to do like these tranny surgeries on the church because we don't like the way God designed it. Oh, I don't like that part. You know, even as a pastor, I don't have a right to just go and just start like, you know, I don't like this part in the church. I'm getting rid of it. I don't, I don't have the right to do that. I'm not supposed to scatter the sheep. God might scatter the sheep sometime. God might have to do a surgery every once in a while, but I shouldn't just go doing a surgery if I want. And you know what? I don't have the right to go putting implants in the church that God doesn't want either. There are, there might, there's some people God doesn't want in a church. Yeah, yeah, but Lord, they got a lot of money and stuff. That would really enhance us in this one area. No, God doesn't want it. That's not how God designed us. And we don't have any right adding that in there. We've just got to understand God makes the body the way He wants. And while we can look at the body that's here and, and like come up with all these limits, just understand that's because we're looking at us and we're not looking at God. We need to look at God. I mean, folks, how many stories do we have of God taking small things and doing great things? God did not use an army of 30-some thousand with Gideon. He used an army of 300. God didn't use a, a large man who was head and shoulders above everybody else like King Saul to fight Goliath. He used a young shepherd boy. That's how God has always worked. And so we just always need to just make sure wherever we're at, no matter what's going on in our church, no matter, no matter what kind of challenges we have, whatever inabilities we have, whatever difficulties we have, we just need to have the attitude that, you know what, if God's with us, we're going to accomplish great things. Folks, we still can't even figure out what makes soul winning good in certain places. Sometimes we go places we think it ought to be receptive. We get a bunch of people saved. We don't get hardly anybody. I mean, there's been times we've had just, you know, van loads of people out and like get nobody saved. And then we have other times there's smaller groups. We get large numbers of people saved. At the end of the day, it's all about God. God is the one that does the work. He uses us. Are we just cooperating with Him? That, that's all we need. We just always need to be seeking His face, just looking, looking to Him for all these things. That's, that's, all, that's all we can do. And, so to, and, notice, and in that phrase, again, as it hath pleased Him. Okay, now, what, what have we seen that pleases God from these passages? Okay, God said, He set the members in the body as it hath pleased Him. And what pleases Him? Foolish things. God has chosen the foolish things. Pastor Tommy, I don't think I can I could you know serve in this area. I don't think I could do this. That would be foolish. Well, you're probably it. <laughs> you know, because that's that's who God typically uses. Now, I'm not talking about like just violating something specific in the scriptures, okay? 
God said with the pastor, he needs a husband and one wife. Okay, so at the end, you know, again, it doesn't give me the right to go get divorced and then keep being a pastor or something like that. But at the same time, unless there's something specifically that says you can't, then there's no reason for you to think that you can't. You, you should absolutely do those things. And the thing is, too, what is something else that we know that pleases God? So it pleases God to use the foolish things. But what's the other thing that pleases Him? In fact, what's the thing that we have to have in order to please Him? We can't please Him without it. Faith. That's what it says in Hebrews 11.5. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Well, it pleased God. Well, but without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is and He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. So without a doubt, Enoch was a man of faith and that pleased God. So again, if you are a foolish thing, if you have inabilities and things working against you, whatever, as long as you have faith, God can use you. If you are a foolish thing with faith, God can use you. And let me tell you something. There's no excuse for any of us to not have faith. You can talk about all your inabilities, disabilities, whatever, all you want. You can talk about those all you want, but nobody has an excuse for not having faith. Nobody has that. Exodus 4.10. Turn over to Exodus chapter 4. Because again, if you're saved, you literally have no excuse for not having faith. How many know the song, My Name is Lazarus? Anybody know the song, My Name is Lazarus? Okay. That song is not biblical, but I love the chorus. Okay. And, and the reason it's not biblical is the song, it tells about four men. It's the four men bringing the crippled man to Jesus. And the way the song goes, they're all having doubts about whether or not God can heal this man. And, you know, you have one, he's like, I know Jesus healed me when I was a leper, but I don't think he can heal this guy. Another guy's, I was blind and Jesus healed me, but this is too serious. Another guy's like, my hand was withered, Jesus healed me, but this is worse. All right? But then the fourth guy steps up and he's like, my name is Lazarus. And, you know, and, then it's, and basically, the theme of the song is, God, we are all Lazarus if we're saved. God raised us from the dead. We shouldn't doubt anything God does. I'm thinking about having our church sing the chorus for like the month, because I love the chorus. Uh, it, it's an exciting song. But here's why the song's unbiblical. The men, the man who was born of four, that was one of Jesus' first miracles, and the Lazarus one was one of his last miracles. So it's like, ah, man. I remember when I when I realized that i was like yeah we can't even pretend that's a possibility because it's just not so it kind of ruined the song but that's how it goes with southern gospel a lot of times fun songs but not always <laughs> not not always biblical but again if you're say i say all that to say listen we are all lazarus in here you have no excuse for not having faith jesus saved you it took look at what he had to do to save you he had to die on a cross he had to come to earth live a sinless life what did he have to do to do to create the universe? He just had to speak that. Well, folks, literally anything else that there is to do is easy for God. It's not difficult at all. And so if he saved you, if you have faith that he saved you, then you should not doubt anything. So nobody has an excuse for not having faith. Again, talk about your disabilities, inabilities, whatever. All you want, God can use you. And, and you have no excuse for not having faith. Ephesians, or not Ephesians, Exodus 4.10 says, But Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. And the Lord said unto him, 
Who hath made man's mouth? That's a good question. Moses, I chose you and I made your mouth. Why are you telling me about your mouth? I mean, listen, God has called Moses and doesn't it kind of seem reasonable for Moses to be like, wait a minute, you're going to use me? I've got all these, I've got all these problems. But folks, it's God that does the work. Who, del- who, del- you know, we often say Moses delivered the people, but no, God delivered the people of Israel out of Egypt. God did that. But God uses people. And God uses foolish things. And God used Moses. Or who maketh the dumb, or deaf, or the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth, and teach thee what thou shalt say. And he said, O my Lord, send I pray thee by the hand of him whom thou wilt send. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. For he said, Is not Aaron the Levite thy brother? I know that he can speak well. And also, behold, he cometh forth to meet thee. And when he seeth thee, he will be glad in his heart. This upset God because God is telling Moses, I'm going to use you to deliver the people of Israel out of Egypt. And when Moses is doubting, you know, it sounds like he's just doubting himself, right? He's talking about himself. He didn't bring up God's inabilities. But what did God say? Didn't I say, I will be with your mouth? The reality is, when we doubt that God can do something through us, it's not us doubting ourselves, it's us doubting God. Because we would all expect God to do great things with Mr. Hotshot Superstar, talented you know, guy. We all would, you know, we all would, oh, God could definitely use him. For sure. But at the same time, you know, God can use literally anyone. And God typically chooses the foolish things. And so it is. It's not doubting ourselves. It's doubting God. If the Lord has put, has given you a burden for something and you are doubting yourself, it's not that you're doubting yourself. You're doubting God. That's all there is to it. God definitely, I, I, I promise I can find somebody worse than you in the Bible that God used. How about Jephthah? The guy who sacrificed his daughter. And I think he did sacrifice his daughter. Somebody was talking about that on social media. Uh, but, but either way, that, that guy had some issues. I mean, look at, look at some of the problems that David had, that Saul had. I mean, look at some of the... I mean, Abraham made some pretty big mistakes. I mean, folks, the, the, the Bible is very clear. God can use some pretty sorry individuals. I don't understand. You know, I, I look at a bunch of guys and I was like, man, I wouldn't even fellowship with those guys. But yet, God sure used them in a great way. And so, you know, what do we do? Pastor Tommy, what do you do when you look at some of these people that were pretty messed up that God used in a great way in spite of all their sins? Well, I guess I'm just going to have to give glory to God. I guess it was God that got Israel out of Egypt and not Moses. I guess in reality, it was God that got all those people saved at Pentecost, not Peter. Peter must have just been working with God during that time. God must have just used him just like God used a stick with Moses. God used a rock to get water from God, you, I mean, there's so many things like that where God used the jawbone of a donkey and a backslidden woman chaser with Samson. I mean, it's amazing the things that God has done with people. It, God's the one that gets the glory. God made you who you are. He put you through the experiences He wanted you to go through to prepare you for exactly what He would need you to do. And there is no reason there literally is no reason for God not to do great things with Liberty Baptist Church. I believe we work hard as a church. And, and, and again, and I don't think there's anything wrong with working harder. I mean, you know, I, I like working hard. 
I want to work hard, but at the same time too, I don't want to work stupid. I don't want to just be out there pounding sand. I don't want to just be out there spinning my wheels. I don't want to be doing, I don't want to be doing anything like that. I, and I, I believe what we need to do is work smarter and just get closer to God and allow Him to do a work. And we need to expect God to do great things. And I believe we will if we spend more time in prayer, if we have a constant expectation of great things. It, I, I believe God, I mean, God, He's looking through the earth. He's looking for someone he's, to show Himself strong. God wants to show Himself strong and He wants to do it in the church. He wants to do it through you. And I'm telling you, you it, it's all about just working with God. We've got to seek His face every day. Everyone in here, eat, like I said, kids, all right, I hope the kids are paying attention. Even you just having an expectation. Did you know that God could use your prayer life to change the trajectory of this church? You don't think God, you don't think God can use your prayer? God, I mean, listen, kids are sometimes some of the best prayers. Because sometimes they have the most faith. And it's, it's high time that we start actually just putting these things we see in the scripture to practice. And again, just make sure we're working with God. And I think the key to that, again, is, is talking to Him every day. Talking to Him every day. Lord, because it is, it's just, I, I feel like there's been times in my ministry where it's just like, Everything's succeeding. And, and then there's other times where it's just like, I can't make anything work. You know, and at the end of the day, we're going to go through seasons like that. That's, that's going to happen. But, it, you know, it, the, and that's why we've got to be steadfast, unmovable. We've got to be faithful. We've got to be, we, we've got to be faithful. Sometimes God might make us wait a while. You know, when I preach a sermon like this, you know, what my goal is, is for all of you to get your hearts right. And to go home and pray like nobody's business. And then next week, great things start happening immediately. It was that sermon I preached last week. Well, you know what? God might, it might take some time. I, I don't know. I, I hope not. But it, it, either way, it's all about a dependency on God, a cooperation with God. Apply these principles in your family. Don't despair in the areas where you fall short, where you mess up. Where you don't, where you have things working against you, don't despair of those things. Just cooperate with God, and God can make things turn out great, even if you have nearly nothing. God is really good at using almost nothing to do. God made the universe with nothing, because it's all about Him. So, with that, let's pray to Your Lord. Thank You so much for Your Word and the encouragement we get, Lord. There's absolutely no reason for anyone in this church to feel like they cannot be used in a great way to do great things for you. And so, Lord, I pray as a church, Lord, I know this church works hard, and I'm thankful for that. I appreciate everyone's faithfulness here. But, Lord, I pray that we will all start working smarter and just making sure in our personal lives uh, as a church that we will be just working with you, keeping our eyes and focus on you. Uh, and, Lord, I pray that you'll make it clear and you'll just leave no doubt whatsoever that uh, you are the one doing the work. And I just, uh, Lord, we will give you all the praise and the honor and glory for all that you're going to do. In your name we pray. Amen.